Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're with us for the very first time, man. We're honored that you're our honored guest. We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. We say three times. Here's why I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. Sometimes the video cuts off mid-video, so uh, you have to come back and check it out and see what it really ends like. And so uh, we're so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review. Hey, do something in the chat and let us know you're there. It actually helps us get through some of those social media algorithms that uh, get the message of Jesus out. Today we start a brand new series today called Miracles. Everybody say Miracles. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the reason we're doing that is because, you know, I've just noticed, uh, there's, there's, isn't it true that sometimes in life, you feel like you've done all that you can. Um, it hasn't really moved maybe the, the, the moment. It hasn't shown up the way you thought. It hasn't done what you, you hoped it would have accomplished in life. And you look up to heaven. Isn't it there one day where you got, come on, isn't it, has, haven't we recently done that? Even just maybe today on the way to church with your kids screaming in the back of the car, you look up to heaven and you say, God, help me, right? You're just looking for this thing called, called a miracle. And, and, and the truth is, is I mean, a lot of times, um, depending on where you come from, you either can overemphasize miracles or you can never talk about them. So we want to talk about them. What was it like uh, for when Jesus did miracles and then Really, what is it like nowadays to, for God to do a miracle inside of our life? And so every year, just if you're brand new to our church, what I try to do is um, I calendar out our year in terms of how we teach. And one of the things I always do um, for our church, we think this is important, is I always have a sermon series based on the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, because this, this, this whole church is built on the person of Jesus. And, and it's not about like putting me up on a billboard or, or making sure our church is famous. Like Our whole point of our church is to celebrate the mission and the vision and the person of Jesus. Like Without Jesus, we have nothing. So, so I, I always dedicate at least one sermon series a year to the person of Jesus and what he did in life. And so what we're going to do over the next four weeks is look at Jesus and what uh, some of the miracles that he did on this earth while he was here and how that really applies to us today. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 6 today. John, if you don't know anything about uh, the Bible or scripture, the Bible is broken up into two main parts. You have the Old Testament, which is kind of the first half, and then the second part of the Bible is what they call the New Testament. And the New Testament starts Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's that book where we're going to be in today, and they're really just gospels or the lives of Jesus. They tell the story of Jesus's life. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today, and one of my favorite um, uh, miracles that happens in all of the Bible, it's actually found, this is the only miracle, the only parable, the only story of Jesus that's found in all four gospels, all four lives of Jesus. And we're going to talk about, um, you're going to see it today, the, the miracle of the loaves and fishes. And if you grew up at church, you probably heard this a thousand times. And if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you heard it once or twice. It's a very famous story, but I'm hoping that, hoping that I'm going to, as we read it, we get to talk and see some great things out of it. So John chapter six today is where we're going to be. John chapter six. We're starting verse one. It says, after this, Jesus crossed over the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd crept, uh, kept following him wherever he went, because he saw this miraculous signs that he was healed the sick. So you have a crowd following Jesus because he's walking around doing miracles. This is important. He's, he's already showing up and showing off that, man, he is God, and he can actually do the things that we couldn't do for ourselves. He's healing the sick. And then Jesus climbed a hill, sat down with his disciples with him, and it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. In verse 5, it says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. 
Turning to Philip, he asked. Now, this is a trick question for all of you, just so you know. Anytime you see in the Bible Jesus asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, right? Like, y'all, y'all know that, right? So he's, he's asking, a, it's called a rhetorical. He invented the rhetorical question, just so y'all know. And so he's asking, he says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He, it's almost, to how I read this, is like Jesus looking at his disciples going like, are you guys, like, what are we going to do? He's kind of setting them up a little bit, like, I'm nervous. Are you nervous? Like, somebody needs to go up to H-E-B. We're, we're nervous here. <laughs> somebody needs to find some food. Philip replied, even if we work for months. Like, it's kind of fun. Or, or so, so verse 6, sorry. He says he was testing Philip, and, uh, and, and he already knew what it was going, he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we work for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and says, there's a young boy. I like that there's always somebody in the crowd going like, there's always a negative right? There's always the pessimistic person. Does anybody have that in your family? There's always somebody, there's a problem arises and then you have, there's always a Philip and then there's always an Andrew Simon. Like there's always a, there's always somebody who's like, this, there's no way this is going to happen. No one's going to, we're all going to die. It's going to, no one, we're not going to make it. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is how it all ends. And then you have Andrew and Simon and Peter's brothers spoke up and they said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Got a little lunchable. What good is that? He said, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. And so they sat down in grassy slopes, and the men outnumbered about 5,000. Would you find out later from you know, theologians? So he says, when Jesus says, like, a lot of people like, will summarize the story and say, Jesus fed the 5,000. It was 5,000 men. And they didn't number the women and children. So this is more than 5,000 people. This is God just being God. And then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed it to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. I like that. Only in the Gospel of John does it say that they ate all that they wanted. That's why I like John. <laughs> ate as much as they could as a buffet. After everyone was full, everybody say full. full. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that, nothing, so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and the, filled the 12 baskets of scraps, all the doggy bags, and left they, by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Fantastic. One of the coolest miracles in all the Bible you could ever read on. It just never gets tired. I've been reading that story since I was a kid and, you know, always had like the little felt board with the like the, the loaves and the fishes and the one person that always looked. It was John and Jesus and Judas and everybody it was the same felt character for everybody, but it was awesome. So uh, we're going to look about that. We're going to learn about the, the miracle of it. We're going to call this, if you're writing, your, you're taking notes to title my message today, is the multiplication miracle, the multiplication miracle. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm just grateful today that we're here in your presence. And, and, and more than anything today, I pray that you would be lifted up and I'd get out of the way. Truthfully, there's only one person that these people need to hear from, and it's you. And I pray that you would uh, help my words be clear, help our minds to be open, our hearts to be ready to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Recently, I, I took my I have five young boys, and uh, I took my family on a uh, on a, a nature hike, you know, into the San Antonio mountain range, which is just the hill country. And so, uh, I took them over to the the, uh, the state park over here, Government Canyon. I'm gonna show you some pictures here real quick. So this is uh, us, me and my boys, my five boys. So my twins are on the bottom, and then um, I got like Titus in the middle. He says he's all in. That is totally him. He's all in for everything. Judah up at the top because he's got a conquer. And uh, the little one down there, he's, he's the sleeper right there. Don't, we care, don't, don't sleep on him. He's, 
He's a lot. But I took my kids, and we went to, uh, we went to Government Canyon. We were at the top here. This is me and my boys, and we were just having a great time just hiking the trail, and it was a beautiful day. And, and uh, I don't know if y'all have ever been hiking with kids before, um, but it's, al- it's always a, two- it's a two-sided coin. It's a double story. It's- it starts off great because everybody's got strength, and we got all the snacks, and water is still prevalent. Sugar is flowing through their veins. They're running down the trail. So we're running in this trail, and it's powerful, and we're moving, and I'm, I'm walking. And my wife was laughing at me because I had this stroll. I have this strut when I walk sometimes, when I'm just feeling good about myself. I'm in nature, and I'm just kind of walking, you know, just kind of, hey. You know, I'm just I have people walking by, and I'm like, how you doing? And, uh, and so she's laughing at me as we're walking by. So we get to the, we were driving, we were walking to this area where there were um, dinosaur tracks and so we looked at these dinosaur tracks, which didn't look like dinosaurs. They looked like holes in the ground. I'm like, this is, this is what we came for? Okay. So we took you know, pictures. We got up to the top of the mountain, and then we started to come back, and that's when it all, the wheels came off. Um, m- my kids started hurting. Their feet started. You know, have you ever had that? Like when the kids start, once it starts, it doesn't stop. So it's my goal in life is to make sure it never starts, right? So I'm like, it's okay. I want to be the cheerleader. It's going to make it. I'm the positive person in my life. I feel like I'm gonna, we're going to do this thing. It's going to make it. And so we're, we're going, we're, we're moving along. And we get, we're, we're starting to walk back and the, the sun's starting to come down. And I'm realizing I might've bit off more than I can chew with these kids because they're starting to cry a little bit. Some are whining. They're wearing where there's food. We have food, but they didn't want to eat it. They didn't want to have to open up the, yeah, like, you know, that's true whining. When you de- they, they have food, but they don't want, they're t- so tired, they can't open the package to get into the food, so I got to open it for you now? Like, this is not how this is going to work. And so my little five-year-old, that one that was on the right, the left side, right side of you guys, but he started saying, like, I'm not going to walk anymore. So I started carrying him, you know, so now I got to carry a 50, how, how, much, how much does he weigh? 60, 70? 50 pounds. He wears 50 pounds. And so it felt like 100, you know, so I'm holding him and he's on my shoulders and then he's on my back and they don't, and kids wiggle, you know, when they don't realize, like as soon as they move, it makes it harder. So I'm carrying this kid. And, and what I didn't realize is that um, I put on shoes that I had had for 20 years. I've had these hiking boots for 20 years. And um, what I realized is that these shoes, I, here, I, just so you guys know, Hiking shoes don't last for 20 years, and I didn't know that. And so they were fine when I put them on, but as I'm walking back, the right shoe, the bottom layer of the shoe started to, like, peel off and started to come off. So I'm walking. Now I can't walk. And so now I'm walking like this, and people are walking by me, and I'm like, it's good. It's good. I no longer had a stroll. I had a walk. So I'm walking like this to keep the thing up. Before I know, it rips off because my son thought it was funny because it was flapping on the back. He comes up on the back and steps on it as I'm holding it. And I'm like, what the heck? I scream at him. My wife gets mad at me. Be nice to your son. I'm like, you be nice to your son. He just took off my shoe. We're fighting on the trail. So we're walking and I'm like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to, and I, they always have the sign markers. Like you're half a mile away. You're one mile. I felt like it was going up. I'm walking back home and I felt like it was going up. I'm like, didn't it say we were a half a mile? Now it's a mile and a half. I couldn't, I started getting delirious. So I'm walking with my kids. So then one of my kids disappears. He walks off. My wife starts freaking out. She starts to walk off without me. Then my other son said, I'd rather be with mom than dad. And I'm stuck with me and my five-year-old son. So now I'm holding my five-year-old son. No water, no backpack, no snacks. My shoe is broken. Then I think, this is it. This is all I need, right? This, I'm good. I'm going to make it. I, God, I'm going to make it. I'm your son. I got to preach on Sunday. You got to get me home. So I'm like, okay, I'm okay. Then my left shoe started to break. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on? So it starts to peel. But not just the bottom layer. The whole thing starts to split in half. 
so I brought my shoe today. I wanted to prove it because legitimately what I had to do was, so look, it died. So it didn't work anymore. It flies off. And now, I don't know if you understand this, this is a sock now, it's not a shoe. And so on the canyon road, there's rocks. So now I'm topping, trying to hop with the kid on me going, I need to eat. I'm like, son, I need to live. So you're gonna have to hang on. So I stopped real quick. And I don't know if y'all know, I made a makeshift MacGyver. Uh, I did not go to scouts, but I could have made it. I'm telling you, I could. Look at this, how cool is that? So I'm riding this thing. So I'm holding it on. And it's a quarter mile, and I can't see the end because it's windy roads. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I'm sitting on the ground with my son. And I had that moment where I'm like, you know, if we don't make it here, son, like, I, I just want you to know. Like, I started being really nice to him. Like, man, I love you, son. <laughs> like, I just want you to know I love you so much. And he's like, what's, what's wrong with you? And, you know, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I'm starting to walk with my kid. Again, I'm holding him like this. And <laughs> no lie, okay? So like a, a like a like teenage soccer group just starts running by like, hey, how's it going? They're running by. There's this old lady group that's like a power walk team. They're walking by me. I'm dragging things. And there's the old man group that like a Bible study. They're holding their Bibles. And I'm like, I'm a pastor. I feel like I could ask them for water or help. Could you just one of y'all drag me out of here? But I didn't say anything because I was prideful. And I looked up at the sky. If I'm not kidding, I looked up at the sky and I said, Lord, I need I need a miracle. <laughs> and, and just as I said that, I'm not kidding you, just as I said that, I come around the corner and my wife and my kids are sitting there and they're like sitting on a park bench and they're just chilling. And I'm like, I need help. Please help me, you know? And so Winston runs off because he don't want to be with dad or he knows where the snacks are. So he runs off and we make it out and look, look long story short, right? Or long story long, I am here today. I want you to know I made it. I know. No big deal. I, I'll sign uh, any hiking boots you guys need me to sign, and uh, it'll be good. It'll be really good. The truth is, is we're all going to need a miracle in our life. Maybe you've already ran into that situation. You know, there's, there's going to be a time where you need a miracle. Maybe you need one right now. And, uh, and I know what you're thinking, you know, because when you start talking about miracles, so there's, some of, there's two kinds of people in the world. Most of the time, you know, it's like there's a logical people. They're like, miracles don't, they don't happen. And I don't even know if I believe in this book here. I don't think it, I don't even know if they really happened in the book. And uh, be quite honest with you, I'm not going to ask some God that I can't see for something miraculous. You know, I can't, I can't believe in something I don't fully understand. You know, because that's what miracles are. You know, they, they kind of push into that, like, I don't understand them. And I always laugh at people who say that because I'm like, no, you, you know, you really don't. You don't really live like that. You only do that to God. You only do that with God because there's a whole lot of things in your life that you do and you participate in and you believe in that you don't really know the full story about, like starting with everything from your phone. Like you're like, no, I understand my phone. No, you don't. You push a button. It's not even a button. You push a screen. And somehow miraculously information goes from this square device to the cloud. We don't even know what the cloud is. They always talk about like the cloud, like the cloud. Yeah, we put the stuff up in the cloud. Like nobody knows what the cloud really is. But we're, we, we think we understand. We don't. We get into a car. You think like you understand your car. No, you don't. You get in, you push a button. It miraculously starts up and you drive. You push a pedal and it moves. And you're like, this is amazing. And you're like, no, I understand indigence. No, you don't. 
Because if it broke, you don't fix it. You take it to the dealership and they charge you a lot of money and they because they know how to fix it. But but we, we do that with God and we have those logical people that are kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can get with this, Pastor. I mean, I'm tell me how to live a blessed life. And then there's the emotional people who 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 and I, I get it. I get it, because when I bring up miracles, it's not, it's not fun, because you had a moment in life where you needed a miracle, and you asked God for the miracle, and he didn't show up. And so there's an emotional attachment to it. Now, and now you're like, I don't know if God does miracles, because he didn't do a miracle last time I asked him. Yeah. And it gets in your spirit. I get it. It's emotional. You're like, mm, I don't, how do I do that? But, but, the, but the truth is, miracles are important when you're a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Not just if you're a Christian, you go to church. If you're a follower of Jesus, miracles are a big deal because um, Jesus performed 34 distinct, like distinct miracles while he was on this earth throughout the Gospels. He did a lot of them for a lot of reasons. And, and the reason we study miracles is, is it's a faith-building exercise because when you look at the things that Jesus did, what it does is it causes all of us to do this. And again, if you're logical, you push it down. If you're emotional, you try to ignore it. But it all starts with this idea that if Jesus, if, if, if he could do that, then maybe he could do this. And it's a faith, really what, you know what it is? It's a faith building exercise in our relationship with God. If Jesus could really heal a blind eye, then he can heal my body too. If Jesus could really, like, if he really multiplied that food, he can really multiply my, my finances. If, if God, if Jesus really died and rose again, if he really resurrected himself from the dead, then he can probably resurrect my marriage from the dead. You see what I'm saying? So we, we study miracles not because we, 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 we want to um, uh, entertain the fantasy world of Christianity. We study miracles because we really are peculiar people who believe Jesus is who he said he was and can do what he said he could do. And so it builds our faith. So that's why we're doing this series, okay? So what is a miracle? Just what is a miracle? I'm going to give you a couple of definitions from some smarter people than I. C.S. Lewis did. Uh, he had a great um, definition of it. He says, an interference with nature by a supernatural power. I like that. Interference with nature with a supernatural power. A Webster's Dictionary says it like this. An extraordinary event manifest, manifesting, manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. So I kind of wrote a simple one for us just so we're all on the same page and we all know what a miracle is. It's like really it's when God interrupts or intervenes in situations to point to himself. It's really God kind of going in and moving in the moment and saying, look, I'm going to change the rules. There's rules, but I'm going to change them just for this moment. And I'm going to just show you how good God really is. And so in this particular miracle, I'm going to work point out just as the time I have left, I'm going to give you four um, quick lessons, four quick lessons from the multiplication miracle that we see when he multiplied the, the loaves and the fish. And so we're going to talk about it. Number one, if you're taking notes, number one, the first lesson is this. Um, this is the lesson from the kid's point of view. This is the lesson we learned from the kid. This is his lesson. The number one lesson is even a little in God's hands can be a lot. Even a little in God's hands can be a lot. John chapter 6 says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is it with a huge crowd? I think it's one of the first, you know what the miracle was before the multiplication miracle happened? That he got a kid to share his food. (laughs) 
right? And all the parents said, amen. Yeah, yeah. You ever ask your kid for food? I'm like, I gave you those chicken nuggets, kid. I, give me a chicken nugget. It moves from, can I have a chicken nugget? Because no one ever says yes. No, you ever notice your kid doesn't come out saying um, um, yours, share? They come out saying mine. They're all the, the you know, the... Uh, the, what was it, the, the bird from Nemo? You all remember the bird from Nemo? The, the, what was it, the parakeet? The seagulls, seagulls, yeah, yeah. They all come out saying, mine, mine, mine. As soon as I saw that movie, I'm like, that's a child right there. They don't know how to say anything other than mine. It's the first miracle. But the truth is, the miracle begins with, with, with miracles. I want you to know this. Like, so this is good. This is a good part for you to learn, for us to learn when it comes to our miracles that you're asking God for. We always play a part in them. You think that sounds like heresy, but it's not. You don't force God to do anything. You can't make God do a miracle, but he does allow you to play a part in your miracle. Because he, he, have you ever watched Jesus do stuff? Like whenever he does a miracle inside of the gospel, go read it. He likes to just see your faith. He's like, let me just see if you can participate in this a little bit. He knows how humans work. Like he, he, remember, he was there when they were invented. So he, 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 it's like, okay, like I know how you work. And what you want is not what you need. You want me to independently do a miracle without your help. But what you don't know is that it takes a little bit of your faith. Like you got to get, 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 get up in it just a little bit. And so let me just ask you a question. Did Jesus need the kids Lunchable to feed the 5,000 and plus people? Did he need that? No, but what he likes to see is somebody coming up and recognizing, I don't have a little, but here it is, God. And then God goes, that's what I like to see. Okay, let me show you. Like, let me show you. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get into the mix, and I'm going to intervene in the natural. And so what God likes to do is, God, he works in the supernatural when we do something in the natural. That's important. Write that down. Like, that's important. Like, if you're looking for a miracle in your life, it's God doesn't rarely, rarely, and God can do anything he wants, but I don't, you see how God, God works through principle. Rarely does he intervene without us doing something in the natural. Even in a miracle of our salvation, God waits. He, he rests. The Bible says he, he waits, stands at the door and knocks. He's waiting for you just to open the door of, so he can perform the miracle of salvation. So we play a part in it. Don't misunderstand. We don't force God. You don't make God do miracles. But man, he likes to see us participate in them. And so there's something that we, it's really, it's what we do with the little that determines, that determines the much. It makes no sense, right? In his economy, it is weird than our economy. You know, like our economy is like, okay, um, you know, two, five plus two equals seven. Five loaves, two fish, that's seven. And then God shows up, he's like, actually in my economy, five plus two equals 5,000 plus doggy bags. And you're like, well, God, that doesn't make any sense. And the true lesson is, is God's math is not our math. So the, true, the, the thing you have, to, you have to figure out in your mind is, what is it in your hand? What's in your hand right now? That's how you do this. What's in your hand that you can place in God's hands? And see the multiplication miracle in your life. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about your job, talking about everything you think is yours, which by the way is not, but everything you think is yours, God handed to you. Well, you just learn to hand it back to him. Like everything, like I don't, I want some joy in my life. I want some, I want some peace in my life. I want some, 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 some favor in my life. I want to learn if I want to, I got to learn to just like kind of let some of this stuff go. And, and when we learn to let the little we have in our hands, 
and we put it into God's hands, we see the, the much start to multiply in ways we'll never, ever imagine. Side note, the miracle came from somebody who wasn't counted in. So they counted the men, but they didn't count the women and children. And Jesus decided to use the one that wasn't counted. So this is just a side thought for those of you who feel like you're always in the background and nobody ever sees you. You seem to be the one that Jesus is going to use. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel like you've never been counted in, if you feel like you've never been labeled and like, look, that's the guy. If you always were picked last in gym class, you were always the one that was never seen. Just so you know, Jesus and God, he loves to use you, so just get ready. He loves to use you. It's like his superpower. I'm like, thank God, because I was never picked first, ever. Anybody ever like me? I never won nothing. I never been the first picked in the gym class. They never showed up. They never said I was the high school star. And so I'm always the guy going, God, where? what about me? And he says, don't worry. You, you got yours, too. You, you got yours, too, because I'm going to make a miracle out of your life. So just a side thought. I just, this is good for me. So number two, um, lesson. So that was a lesson from the kid. Number two, lesson from the people. Um, this is good. This is good for, for those of you looking for a miracle. Order precedes blessing. Order precedes blessing. Look at it. John chapter 6, verse 10. It says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down. Everybody say sat down. They all sat down on the grassy slopes, and the men alone outnumbered the 5,000. This is what's interesting. In all four Gospels, it all says, that it all highlights a, a characteristic of the God you and I serve, and it's called order. So I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 14, he said, sit down. This, that's not the one we read. Mark chapter 6, he said, sit down in groups, in ranks, in hundreds, and in fifties. Luke chapter 9, it says, sit down in groups of 50. And then you've seen it. John chapter 6 says, sit down. And I love that part. He says, then also those who who sitting, they, they had as much as they wanted. They ate until they were full. Everybody say full. And so God, you need to know this. If you're looking for a miracle in your life, one of the key elements to the miracle that you and I are going to need to do is to actually set your life in order. Like order's a big deal. For those of you who are chaotic, no, no elbowing, no nudging, but those of you who know you, you, you know who you are, and your life is consistently chaotic, order precedes blessing, deliverance, presence, creation, and miracles. First Corinthians, I like what it says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And everything should be done in a fittingly and orderly way. And one of the funny thing about human nature is we all think things will actually naturally become orderly. But even science proves it's not. Like physics and, and studies inside physics say that everything drifts towards chaos. In fact, they drift towards this thing called entropy, which is like a loss of useful energy, which means your life and my life does not get better on accident. It only gets better if it's intentional. But we don't live like that. Have you noticed? We live like God is a lifeguard. And so we're going to go and do whatever we want and live however we want. And then when things don't go right, the miracle you and I want to ask God for is just for God to put our life back in order. We swim out into the deep and then we get stuck and then you and I look back at this chore and go, God, I'm going to die. Will you help me? And God's good. 
So he, sa- he saves you. Yeah. And he saves me. And we don't learn our lesson. We, we get dragged back into the shore and we're like, thanks, God. You're the man. What's up? <laughs> Appreciate you. And then we go right back out up into the deep. We live our life chaotic with our finances. And we be acting like we don't got no budget. We don't act like we just live on the MasterCard. And we just be like, yeah, life is good. And then all of a sudden we're like, God, help. Yes. He's trying to, and then he blesses you. And then you're like, okay, I'm good now. And then you go right back in your cycle again. And you're like, God, I'm just living my life. Nordstrom is powerful. <laughs> Just me, you know, and, and so and, and then, you know, or, or you, you don't you don't you're, you're or, or it could be as simple as your, your house just looks chaotic. And you just don't. Have a life of intentionality. We must be intentional with our lives. How do we do that? How do we get order? Um, a couple of ways, just real quick. Um, number one, you need to know where things go. You need to know where things go. In order to be orderly, you actually have to know where things go. It matters if you go to your room and you don't actually put things away. It matters if you don't, right, yeah, it, it matters, it matters if you don't, like, make your bed. It, it, it matters when, guys, it matters if you don't put your, I'm preaching to me, it matters if you don't put your dirty clothes in the hamper, ladies, and all the ladies said, just get it in the, the bucket, Aaron, um, it, it matters, kids, if your toys are left out. And I step on them in the middle of the night and I say ungodly things <laughs> because my foot is now injured. It matters where things go. Everything has a place. And I think sometimes God looks at us and goes, I was talking to my son the other day. We were doing the dishes together. We do them every night. And every time we do the dishes, I ask him, son, why do we do this? Why do we do the dishes? And uh, he goes, we do them for God. I said, what do you mean we do them for God? Because, you know, he got to get them to connect the dots. I said, we do them. We do them. Here's why. We do it because we want to show God what you gave me. I'm going to take care of it. And, and I'm going to make sure he has its place. So that if you're looking, God, if you're looking to do a miracle in my life again, um, you, you fill, fill, fill the feel the freedom to do it because when you give me another miracle I'll take care of that one too and so for the miracle you might be looking for right now there could be something in your life that you're just like "Mm, I don't take care of that well so you you could be looking for for something that you need to get in order you see what I'm saying you get to get that in order second way to do that is uh, you need to know what to get rid of Um, maybe the biggest disease of our culture is um, gluttony but it's not food it's or or it's not just food Gluttony is the idea that you overindulge everything. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe for you, gluttony of the calendar. And your life is chaotic because you don't know how to say no. Can I just say this? If this is okay? Um, and if it's not, just email Pastor Jason. Um, <laughs> um, it, if, you have, if you are busy every night of the week and that's like a that's like a badge of honor for you. Be careful. Be careful. You should schedule off time. You know, most great leaders, people who are successful, they schedule off time. So their calendar's not open. They have a part in their calendar where they're like, it says, I'm off. Vacation. Don't talk, call me. Phone's off. 
you will not get a hold of me. I'm with my kids. You see what I'm saying? Because they, they know if I don't create order intentionally, then there's no mirror. Did you know that the miracles that you and I really are looking for are the simplest ones in the world? You want your kids to love you? That's like a miracle for some of us, right? Some of y'all raising teenagers. Like, I just want you to like me at this point. Just tolerate me would be great. Can you look at my eyes just one time as you're walking towards your room? Do you know how that happens? Truthfully, you know how that happens? It's, it's time with them. It's, it, you, you created a block for them. If you don't create a block for them now, when you can, they won't create blocks for you later when they don't have to. You got to create blocks for them. You got you order, order. Everybody say order. 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 Number three, lesson from Jesus. This is a lesson from Jesus. He thanks God for what he has. Not what he's going to have. Verse 11 says, then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God. Everybody say thanks. And he distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same and to the fish. And they ate all as much as they wanted. I love you, John. Thank you. I can eat as much as I want. Um, that's how I read it. Jesus, Jesus shows us what to do when we don't have enough. Be thankful. Now, it's easy for us to be thankful when we got enough. In fact, it's easy for me to be thankful when I feel like I'm going to have enough. Because then I'm like, oh, I'm going to have enough. But Jesus doesn't have enough. And he says, now we're going to be thankful. Now. Can I have gratitude like Jesus? I asked, when I was putting this message together, I wrote that down. Can I have gratitude like Jesus? Man, that's hard. Like, what was Jesus really thankful for? Two things. I was thinking, like, what are you thankful for, Jesus? I have conversations with Jesus in Scripture. Because I'm like, this is complicated. Because your reputation's on the line and you're thankful that you don't have enough? I was like, God, what was he thankful for? First thing I wrote is that he, he, he was thankful for what he already had. He, he had this thing called appreciation. And let me just tell you, that's a lost art in this world right now. Just being appreciative of when's the last time you just thanked God or thanked someone for somebody that you're like, just appreciation, just the ability to say thank you. Look in someone's eyes and say thank you. And I so appreciate what you've given me, even if it's not enough. Can we be thankful when it's not enough? Can we be thankful when you don't have enough money? Can we be thankful when, you don't, when your health's not where it should be? Come on, I'm pushing you now. Nobody amens these parts. You're like, wait, pastor, tell me when I'm be. I'll be thankful when I'm blessed. I'll be thankful when I had enough fish and enough loaves. You know how our miracle stories play out? When the miracle happens and then we have the 12 left over, then we look up to God and we go, thank you, God. You're the man. I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for this award right here. I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? We'll see you at the club tonight. Word. <laughs> we, we love to thank God when we got the award, but you don't, we, we rarely thank God when we're in the trenches. Yeah. You thank God when your marriage is on the rocks. Ooh. When she's yelling at you. When he don't listen. Can you look up to God and say, God, I thank you for this man. Mm, this man. Hey, your son. I thank you. It's learning to recognize and acknowledge what God has already given to you. Number two, the second thing he was thankful for. He said, what could I? He was thankful for what he could have. So he had appreciation and then he had faith. 
is learning to believe God in faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Pastor Jeff talked about this last week. It's like, it's, it's faith. It's, there's something that happens when you thank God in faith for what's coming. It's what I love about my, see, I grew up in a church. It was like faith church, and we don't talk about stuff like that no more because we just did crazy things, and we took it a little too far. But, but what we did, what, what, the, the, the genesis of it was really good because we just crazily believed that God could do anything. Yes. And we just believe by it's not begging God for a miracle. It's not begging God to change your, what you get him to. You're not begging. That's not what he, Jesus did. He said, I thank you for what you're gonna do. I, I thank I, I you, we gotta learn in the moments when we don't have enough. Thank you for what you're gonna do. People will look at you cross-eyed, they'll be like, What's wrong with you? And you're like, I don't know. I'm just thankful. Because God's going to do something. And it might not be on my time. It might not be on your time. It might look a little differently than I thought. But I'm going to be thankful. Last one is this, and I'm done. This is the lessons from the disciples. Don't forget the scraps. John chapter 6 says, it says, verse 12, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And so they picked up the pieces and they filled the 12 baskets with scraps and they left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. And I asked myself this question. I said, God, why would you have them pick up the scraps? You don't need to do that because you could just do it again in five minutes. The next time they're hungry, you could, you could feed them again. Why would you do that? Like, why would you do I started to think, well, why would you save food anyway? Like, have you ever gone to a restaurant? Why would you save food? Let's just get practical for a moment. Why would you save food? From Say you went to a restaurant. You ever been to a restaurant? It's like really good. And you're like, man. And you couldn't, you fill, you, you ate until you were full. And then you, you said, I got to take this leftovers. Give me the doggy bag because I'm going I'm to eat it. And I said, why would you do that? You do that for when you're hungry later. Um, put, put up that, uh, that picture if you can, would you? Of my, my boys, all of them together. We're just the five of them, if you got it. Um, my twins, they're 14. Um, they're legitimately taller than their mom. They're almost as tall as me, but I stand tall. <laughs> and, and I remember... I was thinking about this. There's something powerful about remembering your miracle. And um, some of you don't know this. My boys were born six weeks premature. And um, they were born four pounds, eight ounces, four pounds, six ounces. And when they were born, they had no fat on their body. They would look like little wrinkled old men, little wrinkled, just wrinkled. And he could fit in my hand. And um, I asked my wife to take out the onesie. This thing was twice their size. They couldn't. This is the smallest one we can get them. And um, they were there. This was their onesie. And um, this is scrap. 
lot, lot, lot has happened since those boys were born. I need a lot more miracles. And every once in a while, I'll forget. I'll forget. And um, I have to go back and remember. God did this. Because I remember what they looked like in the NICU when they had tubes coming out of them and they didn't. Kellen, when he came out, he couldn't breathe. So he had a, um, they had to help him breathe and they was blue. And I remember, like, I, I remember looking up to heaven saying, God, I need a miracle. Like, you need to do something. Um, and I keep this just to remind me. And I think Jesus, like, hey, go pick up those scraps. So when, when you're hungry later and you think that I can't do it, that should remind you of what I could do. Like the miracle that I could do. And I, think, and I think there's a power in you writing down your miracle. And when God does something in your life, take a picture, write it down, keep a memento, put a scrap together. Like they call it a scrapbook. Because one day when you believe in God for your next multiplication miracle, you're going to have to remember that he could do it again. He can do it.